Hello. Welcome to the Valley View Podcast, episode 139. I'm the football. My name's Tyler, and I'm here with Matt, and I'm holding a football now. It's good to see you, Tyler. Um, how are you feeling today? I'm good. I'm excited to go to Chicago. Yeah, road trip. As you uh, listen to this episode, listeners, week. Matt and I are in Chicago. Yeah, we, well, I think we're planning to record um, an episode while we're in Chicago. Oh, It'll yeah. Come out. From Naperville. Uh, once we get back. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be at a theology conference, um, which will be taking place while they're listening. So you can't uh, ask people like to pray for us while we're there or anything. But Well, I mean, I think prayer is still effective. They can still pray for us. Okay. They can pray for the last day and a half of the conference. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Um, it's a theology conference uh, put on by the denomination we're part of. And the subject... What denomination are we? Uh, the Evangelical Free Church of America. Yes, sir. And the subject this year is marriage. It's not a marriage conference per se, like come work on your marriage. Yeah, neither of us are bringing our wives. So <laughs> it's like uh, a biblical theology of marriage is mm. my understanding. Yeah, I looked at the conference schedule today and I didn't know that. And I read the se- the session titles and I was like, huh, it's about marriage, I guess. Because every title started with marriage, X, Y, Z, marriage, this. So Matt and Tyler are going to a marriage conference. Yep. It'll be great. This is what it boils down to. Yeah. Uh, Tyler had a significant milestone just last month. Yeah, I don't know how you're going to get 15 minutes out of this, but we can talk about it. But we're going to get a lot more than that. We're going to celebrate Tyler's uh, finishing five years at Prairie Hill and uh, do a little reflection. Do a little looking back, uh, do a little evaluation. Dangerous. Yeah, yeah. I I think I'm going to enjoy it. Tyler started January 1st, 2019. I did. And so uh, he just passed his five-year mark. So we'll talk about that in a second. First of all, uh, we are sponsored today. Thank you to Mark's Calendars and Wall Hangings uh, for stepping up to sponsor this week. Mark's, Mark's Calendars and Wall Hangings, turning your favorite photographs into nice calendars and wall hangings since 1992. Find us in downtown Shakopee. Open seven days a week, nine to five. Bring us your favorite digital or printed photos and we will do the rest. Make a calendar of special family moments or that prized deer that you shot. Your fishing trips, Disney vacations. Make a calendar of your garden, your pets, your cabin, your friends. If you've got a uh, if you've got a photo of it, we can turn it into a 2024 calendar in a matter of hours. Or just make it a plain wall hanging with your choice of plastic or wood frame or a special quilted frame with tassels on it. Mark's calendars and wall hangings. Shouldn't your best photos be hanging? <laughs> shouldn't your best photos be hanging on your wall or someone else's? I'm gonna be honest. I don't think I've ever been paying less attention to an ad read than I was right there. I actually don't know what that was about at all. Uh, it was a company that sells calendars. Okay. They'll make you a custom calendar using your photos. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you take your favorite 12 photos in and they'll make you a calendar with like that photo being for each month. That's awesome. Yeah. You like that? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Actually, I heard you say recently that you have no use for a wall calendar. I did say that on Sunday. Is that why you made that ad read? No. Okay. But um, I don't know if you would be Mark's uh, ideal client. Yeah, I don't think so. You 
don't use a wall calendar. I do not use a wall calendar. Hmm. I actually need to, the closest I get is that I have the prayer partners calendar. Mm -hmm. We do this thing at our church where we send out a calendar each month with uh, a student or two assigned to each day of the month. Yeah. And then the church gets to pray for the student that day. I really like that we do it. Um, but hmm. the closest I get is having that calendar up in my office. But even then, I mean, it's February 1st today and I have not changed the calendar yet. So if you don't keep a wall calendar, how do you know what you're supposed to be doing every day? What does that mean? What? Wait, what? Uh, if you don't use a wall calendar, how do you keep track of your appointments and events and all those things? Oh, I mean, I have a calendar on my phone. Mm -hmm. Like I had, like I, I wondered, I just put everything in on there. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if we should picture you walking around with like a day planner, like some kind oh, of a... absolutely not. <laughs> Emily has a day planner. I do not. Wait, is that like... Is that how people? Is that like why people have wall calendars so they can like have all their their appointments and stuff written down? Yeah, let's talk about this. Why do people have wall calendars? I don't know. I've always just thought it was like a decoration. I think for some people it is kind of a decoration because they'll get like the same artist every year. Like some artists, they'll put out a calendar every year. I would. I would take. Out. I'll say right now on the podcast for everyone to hear. I would put up a watercolors by Mary calendar in my office. That I would do. There's a nail right there. I could put it on. I just pointed at it. I would put it on the nail that I just pointed at. And yes, I would keep a Watercolors by Mary calendar in my office. You should say a little bit more about Watercolors by Mary. Like, who is this person? If well, people aren't familiar. Well, her name is Mary. She's been a sponsor of the podcast before. Yeah. Um, really, really, really good Sunday school teacher. Longtime member of Prairie Hill. Okay. Uh, I would I would take a calendar by her. Absolutely. If someone else wanted one, how would they get in touch with her? I don't know. Is there like a watercolorsbymary.com? I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to say her last name because I don't know if she wants me to say it or not, but uh, Watercolors by Mary. There might be a website. Yeah. If you're interested, you could get in touch with Tyler or me and we can get you in touch with Mary. There we go. Watercolors Mary. Yeah. So DM me at Pull Votes Tyler, P-O-L-L Votes Tyler, and I will get you in contact with Mary of Watercolors by Mary. All right. Let's get to... Second uh, sponsor of the episode. Let's get to the topic of the day, which is a look back at Tyler's five years at Prairie Hill. Um Tyler, let's, I, let's start here. I have something I want to talk about, but let's start with what you have. Oh, okay. Well, I think you should go first because I've got probably at least 25 minutes worth of Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I just want to explain the trend, the journey of offices I've had at this church. Oh, okay. Yeah, very good. So this is on topic of your five years here. Tell us about your office journey. Well, it's not even really that much of a journey now that I think about it. But when I got here, I shared an office that was a closet. And they put it, they put a desk in the closet. So me and Kyle was the other guy. We would never work in the office. We would usually work from home. And if we worked here, we would work in like the sitting area outside of our office. And then uh, like two years in, then I I got my current office. So I guess it's not that much of a journey. I just wanted to mention that I used to work in a closet. Okay. So two questions related to that. Number one, what should we be picturing when you say closet? Like in terms of size, describe like how much room you actually have here. It fit a desk and a chair, and that was all. Mm. So, like the walls. So it was. It was. It was like a storage. Like it was like a walk-in, like storage kind of closet. Yeah. Um. So the walls had like a bunch of like really like most of it was like pretty old like youth ministry curriculum from like youth pastors past. Okay. Um. There was some like game kind of material in there, mm -hmm. and then there was yeah like a big like thick heavy desk and a chair, and you couldn't really like scoot the chair out very far, or you'd hit the back wall. That's what I wondered. So okay, picture yourself sitting at the desk. If you extend your arm behind you, can you touch the wall behind you? Oh, yeah. I don't have to extend my arm. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I could just yep. lean my head back. <laughs> you're hitting the wall. Yeah. Okay. okay, now you're sitting at the desk and picture like extending your arms out to the side. Are you able to almost touch the door? 
Yeah, I think I think if you're in directly in the middle of the room, I my wingspan would not touch either wall. But yeah. if I moved my chair at all, then I would be touching the walls again. Okay, so it's a pretty small place. And, and let me be clear, like I'm like not complaining. I thought that it was nice that I even had an office when I was working here oh, 15 okay. hours a week. Like, okay. and and like me and Kyle both, like we worked from home like all the time. So we didn't really even like need an office, but like they gave one to us, which was kind. That actually is what I was going to ask you about next is how did you feel when you show up for your first day of work and someone's walking you around and they show you to your office and it's a closet? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even like that. It was just like, I think I came for an interview and they were like, yeah, that's that's your shared office with Kyle. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So not only is it a closet, it's a closet that you yourself don't have exclusive access to. Yeah. It's a two person but I mean, it was fine. Like we had like, we we're both the youth pastors. Like it wasn't like I was sharing it with someone with a different job. It was like we were middle school and high school youth pastors. Okay. So you didn't take offense. No, like I said, it didn't. It, I, I wanted to make that clear that I wasn't bringing that up to say that I was bothered by it. I just think it's a funny story. Was there a room to like put a plant in there or a framed picture or like a mini fridge? Well, I'm not really a decorator. Um, If you look around or my office. Calendar. You, yeah. If you look around my office, you'll see that the only things on my walls are things that students have given me. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm not really like a hang a picture or put up a plant. So okay. uh, I don't know. You probably could have put a plant in there. Okay. It would have died though. It was a windowless office. I'm glad we, we talked about your office because I, I hadn't thought to talk about that. Um, Go back to January. Okay. January 1st, 2019 was your first day on the job. I'm assuming you got a, I don't know, got a phone call or an email or something maybe in December that told you you had the job. Mm -hmm. Can you... Tell us like how you found out you got the job and how you felt at that time when you learned that you got the job. Um, I got the job via congregational vote. So I don't remember if it was a special meeting or if it was after a service, but regardless, it was, I think, December 20th or December 21st. Um, well, so there was like a whole process, right? Like I applied in like August, but I had a semester of school left. So we kind of like, it was like a mutual, like we're slow rolling each other, right? Like, I, we had like two interviews, like I met with the head of the search committee, and then I met with the whole committee. And then I think I maybe even had like another phone call or meeting with the whole committee. Um, And then I came for a like, it was called voltage, like a game slash outreach night kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And spent time with the kids during the game part, and then spoke during the outreach part, they would do like an outreach talk. Oh, okay. um, let me lead into that for just a minute while we're on that subject. That's a that's a high seems like it could be a high pressure environment. Like, you know, you're being evaluated. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Interacting with kids. Did you like choose a lesson that you felt really good about it? Yes. Were, you were you nervous? And did you feel like all the eyes were on you? And like, yes. how hard was that? Tell us about that night. Oh, it was, I mean, yeah, I, it, this is the first and only youth pastor job I've ever applied for. So I was like, yeah, I was worried. And I got along with the kids during the game time, which was good. But like, I mean, I've been raised and like, I just, I both have been raised this way. And I think I naturally am this way that like, I mean, I value like teaching kind of a lot. Like, I think that's like pretty important. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm doing something pretty important that I haven't done very much of. And I could get or not get the job based on it. <laughs> so yeah, it was stressful. Was a lot of the activity out here in the big fellowship hall, multi-purpose area? Yeah. Okay. If you're familiar with Perry Hill, you know that there are uh, upstairs, there are glass windows Well windows <laughs> just windows that overlook the fellowship hall right mm -hmm. and i'm just picturing like a team of people standing up there with clipboards like <laughs> watching out the window your interactions with the kids as far as i know that wasn't what happened but maybe 
I don't know. Um, How'd the lesson go that night? It was good. I talked about the uh, evidences for the resurrection. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. So I, okay. I thought it went well. I was pretty confident in talking about it. Hmm. Um, I did find out from some students after the fact, like when I was working here, like, yeah, they had taught us about evidence for, evidence for the resurrection like a month before that. So on the one hand, it was like, oh, shoot, I taught them something they've heard. But on the other hand, I'm like, oh, that's probably good because I taught something that clearly was important to the search committee because they had just been teaching about it. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so what happened after that? You came for the, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the trial run? and So I came for the trial run. Um, I got positive feedback from the students, positive feedback from the leadership. Um, but yeah, the way we were structured, then they had to vote on me for me to work here. So there was a, a congregational vote on like December 20th, December 21st, something like that. Um, and yeah, they voted me in and I was relieved, I guess would be the emotion. Because I, I felt like I wasn't necessarily like worried because I feel like if you get to that point in the process, you're probably okay. Mm -hmm. But I was also like, I was 20. Like I was like super, super, super young. Yeah. Um. So there was part of me that was like, okay, they're going to vote no because I'm, I'm, I've literally never worked anywhere in ministry, like besides being an intern. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I was relieved and excited. How did you find out that you had been voted in? Uh. Well, so again, I can't remember if it was during a, during or after a service or what, but I know that when they voted on me, I like left the room. And so, I think oh, they you like, were here for the service. Yeah. Oh, okay. so I, I had to leave. Okay. And I think they like came out and told me that I had got it. Yeah. I think. I don't exactly remember. It was five years ago. Yeah. And how did you feel when you found out you got the job? Like I said, relieved and excited. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I guess you did answer that already. That's all good. Thank you. Um. So, looking. Okay, five years on the job. How do you feel like you have changed personally? in those five years oh i'm way more confident now mm. yeah not like i hope it's not cocky but i like i mean i am a perfectionist and it, i'm because of that i'm pretty prone to struggling with like thinking i'm not doing a good job or like mm. self-doubt that kind of thing yeah and that's still definitely a thing but the self-doubt has like moved to i don't know it's it's like different now like i'm more confident in like the day-to-day -day functions of my job mm -hmm. like way more <clears throat> like when i started like like everything that i did i was like oh shoot am i doing this right am i teaching about the right things like yeah and there's still some of that but like i'm i, I it's like really good like i'm not like constantly like second guessing everything that i'm doing right um so that's i've changed in that way um i'm also married now so that's a pretty big difference i think yeah um yeah that's huge I live down here now, which is nice. Um, ah, okay. Yeah. So you were commuting before from, where were you commuting from? Well, actually, so or? no, not that far. Well, actually for some of it. So when I started like my first like nine months, I was living in Minnetonka. I was living with the family from the church. Oh, right. Um, okay. But then after I moved out from their place, I was living in Fridley, which is about a half hour North without traffic. Mm -hmm. So that was fun. <laughs> it's like a half hour across the city. Uh, with no traffic. So I would have to like plan my times to come to church, like so that I wasn't driving in traffic. Mm -hmm. And then there was like a very short period of time during COVID where I was commuting for my Santee. Like I moved back in with my parents for a few months. And then, yeah, it was literally I Santee to Eden Prairie for church on Sunday, which is an hour um, through the city again. Um, but yeah, then I got married and moved to Eden Prairie and I'm back in Minnetonka now. So I that's like a pretty big change. And I like that change because it's like I can like drive students more. Like I'm more involved in the community. It's easier for me to be around than yeah. it was when I was living a half hour, or an hour away. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. So and, sorry. And I almost just think that like, that's how it, that's not always how it is, but I think that's like the ideal is that like, 
you're a part of a church that's in your community. Like I went to like an evangelism or there was like a, a Sunday school class for a couple of weeks here that was taught about like the, the person was teaching about like, yeah, doing neighborhood evangelism and trying to point them towards your church, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were showing a map of our community and I lived in Fridley. And so people were pointing out where they lived in the community. And I was like, yeah, I don't live on the map. <laughs> so I just think that, I mean, I think lots of people do commute to church and I think that can be okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it's more ideal for me to live closer to here as a pastor oh, here. For sure. For sure. All right. So you've been on the job five years, started 2019. What would, what would you say, what advice would you have for a 20 year old who is start basically starting right where you did only they're starting like today, hmm. right? So they're starting February 1st, 2024, brand new job, youth pastor, um, really excited. Um, let's just say it's a free church, you know, to try to make it equivalent. Yep. What? Um, and they said, Hey, you know, you've been in this for a while. What, what advice do you have for me looking back? Um, so focus on the parents. That's mm. what I would say. Mm. And, that, but that, that's like, I am myself and like, I like have the things that I did. So I don't know if this person would do the same as me, mm-hmm. but a mistake that I made was like, I was like, oh, I'm the youth pastor. So I need to make sure that I focus on the students and sure. build a relationship with the students. And seems natural. Yeah. And it is. And I like, what I'm not saying is don't pay attention to the students, but I think a mistake that I made was I didn't tr- like think enough about or try hard enough to build relationships with the parents when I got there, mm-hmm. because I think I just like, I don't know. I just wasn't thinking about it. And, and yeah. honestly, because it was scary. Because yeah. some of the, I was the high school youth pastor and I was 20 yeah. so, and some of the students were turning 19 that summer. Mm-hmm. So I had students that were like two and a half years younger than me. It was really easy for me to connect with them. Yeah. It was a lot more intimidating for me to connect with people who were between 40 and 60. Um, But yeah, if, if you're a 20 year old starting a youth pastor job, I think it's really, really important for like your ministry to the family mm-hmm. um, for like mm-hmm. gaining trust with the families that you're ministering to. Mm-hmm. Um. And just for like your professional development, like make sure that you're intentional about getting to know the parents. What if they pressed you on that and said, like, what does that look like? Does that mean I'm supposed to chat with them after youth group or what does that really, uh, yes. what does that really look like? <laughs> yes, because okay. I was pretty bad at even just doing that. Okay. Um, okay. Um, so at a minimum, it means that. Yeah, like, but like, I mean, meet, like meet with them, like uh have like parent meetings where you you tell them what the direction the ministry is going and take questions that kind of thing Uh i mean i still don't think i still think like i have a lot of growing to do in my interactions with parents um but yeah i mean just like letting letting them be involved know what's going on um being like a a a presence that's like there for them as well yeah and again none of that is at the expense of uh being there for the students Mm -hmm. you just you need to be able to do both yeah yeah yeah, I get it. It that seems uh I think that's important. It seems kind of tricky as well because um parents will desire different levels of interaction with you. Mm-hmm. Like some parents drop their kids off and you never see them. They yep. just pick them up, you yep. know, and don't really care. And other parents uh really want to know and really want to be kind of in the know as far as what's going on and want to get to know you better. Yeah. So um, Well, and I say that, but I don't think I would have listened to myself when I was 20. <laughs> um not even like intentionally or unintentionally but like yeah when I when I was starting like it's not like my classes in college and the youth pastor friends that I had didn't tell me that it was important to like get to know the parents it just like functionally I got in and I was like okay that's a little hard and scary because they're older than me they're like some of them are my parents age or older yeah but I know these kids and I can do a good job of getting to know these kids so let me do that because that's natural 
So uh, give some advice to parents, like if they've got a new youth pastor coming in um, that is, maybe feels like you did, you know, approaching parents can be kind of scary, but they want to focus on it and build a relationship. What are some things that parents can do to help out their new youth pastor when they come in? Oh, I mean, <laughs> so if like if it's me or if it's a 20 year old, they probably aren't married. They probably are just out of college. Mm -hmm. They probably don't know a lot of people in your area. Mm -hmm. So I think like the thing that was the greatest that some parents did for me was like, it like inviting me over for dinner or like inviting me to like go and like get, get to know them that way. Mm. Um, like trying to like build a friendship and a relationship that way. And with, I mean, time has borne out that most of those parents were not doing it with ulterior motives. Like they, mm -hmm. like they legitimately, like some of them, their kids have graduated now and I'm still like, I'm still on really good terms with them. Mm -hmm. Like I, I really appreciate those relationships that they built by, like talking to me, inviting me over, spending time with me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say in terms of, of yeah, like what you can do for them to to help them yeah. is yeah, like be, let them be a part of your life and be a part of theirs in a in like a a friendship way, not like a now you'll do what I want kind of way. Because I think it's easy to do that, like implicitly or implicitly or explicitly, like yeah, have a relationship with ulterior motives, whatever those may be. Yeah. Um. For sure. But when it really is just like because I care about you, that that like meant a ton to me. I could see. From a parent's point of view, I could see parents maybe feeling like, uh, oh, you know, this new single young youth pastor wouldn't want to hang out with us. He might think it's kind of lame or it might be kind of awkward because mm -hmm. it'll be like two of us and like one of him. And mm -hmm. how's that going to work? I could see parents having reservations sure. just about making that invitation, like sure. whether you'd actually enjoy it or want to do it. But from your perspective, how does it feel to have like, say, a couple like my wife and I invite you over just to try to get to know you. Does that feel awkward to you? Or does that feel like something you don't want to do? Or does that make you feel loved and cared for? I mean, it might feel awkward. Yeah. <clears> like, <throat> but, but like the awkwardness that you feel is real and the awkwardness that they're going to feel is probably real. But I think like being able to work through that is important for your relationship in the long run. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that like the the awkwardness that I would feel about that that I probably would have felt and might even still at sometimes I don't know like that's like overcome by a sense of like relief and thankfulness that they want to like be involved with me yeah. um because yeah. like you're just you know it's it's scary like it's a new thing it's a new job yeah. uh new people you're coming into a community that's established yeah like for people to invite you to be a part of the community is like really really kind and helpful yeah um and I also I don't think it has to be a relationship where you just have dinner, like the parent, you as the adults invite the youth pastor to dinner and your kids are like gone. I'm, I'm actually envisioning it more as like you have dinner with a family. Yeah, 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 um, that's better. So, and I, that actually eliminates some awkwardness because usually a young youth pastor, even if they're not sure how to talk to you, they probably are in the position because they're good with kids. So, so the kids can help ease the awkwardness a little bit. What if, uh, what if a couple, uh, you know, husband, wife that has kids in the youth group, um, invited you to dinner uh to get to know you and you they took you to buka and there was like candles candlelight on the table and you sat down with just the three of you how would that make you feel that would be a little more awkward especially because i'm going to be sitting there wondering about the financial aspect <laughs> like am i going to have to pay 50 dollars of this buka meal because this family wanted to take me out and i would feel as the staff person obligated to pay for them oh, so i think okay. in home is like a lot better <laughs> okay in home all right yeah. we really um gotten to some good some good practical information, I think here. The I think the other thing I would say as a parent, like if you're a parent and there's a new youth pastor, especially one that's young, mm -hmm. um, it's totally legit and totally understandable, like that you're going to be a little bit worried because mm -hmm. 
like it's totally reasonable that when our church hired a 20 year old to be the youth, to be the high school youth director they're like okay this guy is like really really young mm-hmm. and he's never done this before mm-hmm. that's a little concerning that's okay like it's okay to feel like that um so that just kind of an affirmation and then i guess along with that if as the as like you're going through the youth pastors like first year or two they're like getting their feet wet and you notice things that are an issue i mean just talk to them about it mm-hmm. you know like yeah. In a, like a kind, respectful way. Be like, Hey, I noticed this. Could you explain a little bit more about that? Um, my, my kid came home and told me this. Mm-hmm. Could you explain what you meant mm-hmm. by that? Or, yeah, you know, just be, be, it's totally okay to be concerned and it's totally okay to ask questions. And when it's done, like I, parents who did that with me for the purpose of helping me grow in being a youth pastor, like I really appreciated that as well, even though the conversations were sometimes like hard or I felt defensive. Yeah. It was like good that they did that. What What is your preferred way to hear about that? If someone, like you said, just has kind of a legitimate thing that they'd mm-hmm. like to talk to you about, not angry necessarily, but, you know, mm-hmm. a concern, would you rather get an email or a phone call or have them approach you in person about it? I actually don't really know that I have a preference. Like, I think most people would prefer caller in person. I'm pretty, like, okay with email, even though I think that that's probably a minority view. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that as I would request on behalf of all the young youth pastors out there is if you're going to do a phone call or an in-person, probably try to have the time between you setting up that meeting and having that meeting be as short as possible, <laughs> because there is nothing worse for me than like, Hey, we need to have a meeting and it's a week from now because then I spend the week. Like, what is this even about? What am I going to, are they going to try to get me fired? Like what's going on? Like, it's just like terrifying. So it's good. Good counsel. Do you, do you know how I would express my concerns to you? What I, which of those options I would choose? You would just come talk to me. Uh, I'd probably write you a letter. Really? I'm just kidding. I was going to say, now I'm going to be concerned every time you give me a letter. Write it out by hand. I think you would come and talk to me. Yeah, I'd come and talk. But to th- we also work together, so it's a little bit different. Yeah, that's true. I'd like to write letters, though. I know you do. Um. So uh, just wrapping this up, where do you see yourself five years from now? Like 2029? When, when Ruthie's a senior, where do I see myself? <laughs> um, I mean, I'd like to be here. Like, I don't, I have no plans on leaving. I love Minnesota. Um, I love being a youth pastor. There's not some burning desire in my heart to get out of here and become a senior pastor. So, I mean, we don't, we don't know where God's going to take me, but if it was up to me, I'd probably be here in five years. And Valley View Nation and a lot of parents are very happy to hear that. <laughs> Rejoice that we have some more podcasts than yeah. us. Thank you, Tyler. Congratulations on five years. Great job. Thank you for your ministry here. You you had to have known that I was going to say that because you wouldn't ask me that if there was a chance that I would say like, ah, well, who's to say? Maybe I'll maybe I'll be a senior pastor in five years. Uh, question six of the New City Catechism. How can we glorify God? Pause. For the two, second out of three weeks, we got instant feedback during the podcast. Uh, Watercolors by Mary just emailed me. <laughs> What? I mean, she didn't. She's not listening to this episode. Obviously, she's emailing me about the episode that came out today about cottage cheese. Um, it's all right. On- what, all right. What do we got live? You want live, me to read it? Live on air listener feedback. I don't know if I should read it. Okay. Oh, um, she agrees, Mary. I'm sorry if you didn't want me to read this, but here we are. Um, you emailed me during the podcast. I made him do it. Yeah. Um, she agrees with the girls about cottage cheese, a tremendous food with many uses. Um, has a memory of ordering cottage cheese with hot fudge on it at an ice cream parlor as a kid. Oh. Yeah. 
And then it looks like the rest is not about cottage cheese. And I think that's the most important part. So <laughs> I'll read the rest of this later, Mary. Nice. Thank you, Mary. Uh, okay. Um, Tyler, do you know how we can glorify God? Uh, yeah. No, I want to pull it up on my own. Okay. Uh, we glorify God by enjoying him, loving him, trusting him, and by obeying his will, commands, and law. If it's okay with you, I just want to talk about one word. Glorify. Uh, actually, it's enjoying. Oh, what does glorify mean? <laughs> um, to to give glory to. Yeah, what's that mean? Um, to uh, express the worth of. Oh, cool. Maybe. How's sure. that? Sure. By that. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um. If someone came up to you and said, uh, you know, uh, I understand like loving God, I understand trusting God, I understand obeying God. Those are all words in here. Like the answer is we glorify God by enjoying him, loving him, trusting him and obeying his will, commandments and law. But if they said, I get all that stuff, but I don't know how we actually enjoy God. Like, how does that happen? What would What would you say to that? Do you feel like you would have something to say about what it looks like or means to enjoy God. I mean, I'm kind of more interested in what you're going to say. I think I would, if someone was like, define what it means to enjoy God. I think I would talk about like the reality that we get to like marvel at him and his beauty mm -hmm. and majesty um, and have a relationship with the one who created us and do the thing that we were made for, which yeah. is glorifying God, I believe. Yeah. So I think all of like the, the joy that comes from all of that, um, I would say constitutes enjoying God. That's a good answer. Cool. What would you say? The I feel like the first thing I have to do is remember that when we're talking about God, we're not talking about just this one person. We're actually talking about three persons, mm -hmm. right? So enjoying God, I'm enjoying three persons, this little community of holiness right um here's what i as i was thinking about this today I, I won't make this long but i want to try to express how enjoyable i found this think about enjoying god you've got these three persons who are a little community unto themselves but according to first john i have been invited into this community right mm -hmm. first john chapter one correct have fellowship with us you know yep. our fellowship is with god and with his son jesus christ and of course the holy spirit is there as well so think about what that means, Tyler. It means anywhere you go, you are always a little community of four. Like you're you're never alone. Like the three persons of God are always with you. Correct. True? Yeah. I think that's really fun. <laughs> I think that is really, really fun. I, I am never alone. Any table that I sit at, any conversation that I'm part of, anywhere I go, I always go as a little community of four and we all know how it feels to be like part of a friend group right that's like super enjoyable like just we don't even have to think about it like i'm with my buddies you're with your buddies you're playing wings that's just mm -hmm. pure joy right mm -hmm. right Absolutely. great time you love that we're probably playing wings as people listen to this podcast in chicago there you go so i'm now thinking of myself as one member of this community of four the other members of which are infinitely strong and wise and holy and just wonderful. So, so much so that I'm completely overshadowed by them. There's little me in the company of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
everywhere I go, they've promised to never leave me. They have saved me and they will bring me home and see me through death and I'll always be with them. I find that very, very enjoyable. Have a great week, everybody.